Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. Uh, this week's podcast uh, is with Representative Zoe Lofgren from California. It was recorded uh, last week in her office in Washington, D.C. Um, I'm just adding this little intro at the beginning to note that one of the things that we mentioned during the talk involves the Devin Nunes memo, and this was recorded a couple days before that memo was actually released, uh, which happened on Friday. Uh, it doesn't really change much of the uh, conversation about the memo and uh, the discussion around it and all the other stuff that we discussed, but uh, just to let people know, uh, that's that's why... Uh, the memo is referred to the way it is. Uh, it was just recorded a couple days before the memo was actually released. Uh, and that's it. So on to the podcast. The world is increasingly technological. So we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of the modern monocle. Stopping the copyright police from pulling the wall on us. Painting and taking on all the plates to paint and troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinize and brutalize and make them fold. If you follow Tech Dirt for any length of time, uh, you're already hopefully quite familiar with today's guest. Um, even if you're not a regular reader of Tech Dirt or listener to the podcast, hopefully you know who she is. Uh, Representative Zoe Lofgren from California has been at the forefront of almost every key issue that we tend to write about on TechDirt, uh, often being the voice of reason on these debates in Congress. Uh, over the years, uh, she has done many things, including being the key voice in the House in stopping SOPA from becoming law, and has remained uh, vigilant and vocal on a variety of different copyright issues. Um, she's also been actively involved in trying to stop a wide variety of questionable surveillance practices by the intelligence community and has uh, repeatedly pushed Congress to actually respect the Fourth Amendment. Um, on top of that, she's been at the forefront of trying to reform the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act, uh, or CFAA, which is the terrible anti-hacking bill that has been turned into a tool by both law enforcement and companies to go after anyone they think has done something bad on a computer. <laughs> uh, and uh, and she's also been involved in many, many other things, but I'm going to stop with just those three as, as the list in the introduction. Uh, so rather than drag it out, I, I want to get straight to uh, Congresswoman Lofgren uh, and welcome you to the TechDirt podcast. Thanks, my first time. <laughs> yes, uh, and... Uh, I'm hoping that we'll sort of try and dig into a bunch of these, some of the, the topics that I've discussed and, sure. and some other ones as well. Um, and let's start with surveillance, since that seems like um, still a, a big and timely and important issue. Um, and it's one that I think a lot of people have had trouble following because there have been all different pieces and elements. And there was, you know, 215 and and more recently 702 and, and there's... 12333 and all these different right. things that, that people aren't paying well, attention to. Well, let's focus to. on 702 because okay. that was the <clears throat> most recent action. 702 uh, provides that you can uh, surveil, and this is not so-called metadata, but content, all digital content, of uh, people who are outside the United States, non-U.S. persons. Uh, the problem being, of course, that given the architecture of the Internet, uh, Plenty of U.S. persons are picked up. Um, they call it incidental, 
right. a collection, I kind of a quaint term. <laughs> uh, and because it's classified, I can't go into volume, I'll just say it's big. Right. Um, and many of us, it was bipartisan, although unfortunately not a majority, uh, felt that if you've got this database, it's been collected, the uh, NSA will say, well, it's lawfully collected. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess, except that it's got U.S. persons there. Right. That if you are going to, if you're going to surveil, search that database for a U.S. person, get a warrant. Right. Simple con- concept. Right. Uh, unfortunately, uh, that measure um, failed in the House. Right. And uh, then the Senate was unable to stop it, and a renewal without the warrant requirement was um, uh, adopted and signed into law by the president. So that's it for quite some time, absent uh, court uh, actions, and from time to time they seem to have woken up to some things. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, it has been reported in the press that uh, they the FISA court did stop the so-called about collection. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the bill that the House passed codifies, <laughs> so right. it's actually it worse it right. worse than current uh, law. And, uh, and, and just so, so people understand, the, the about collection, uh, um, I, th- I think it's important for people to understand sort of how broad that is. Yeah, I mean, uh, two foreigners um, are emailing each other about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And um, or uh, two Americans are mm-hmm. emailing me about me mm-hmm. uh, if I'm a foreign. Pre- I mean, the about is the is the key issue, and um, it it broadens the uh, surveillance right, cause I, I, I think, considerably. I think most people think like you know if you're emailing to uh, a, you know someone who's suspected of being involved in a terrorist organization or something like that, that's reasonable. For the for the NSA to to be able to right. to to check on that, but if like two Americans are emailing and we happen to mention um, you know a, a person or or a target which doesn't necessarily right. even need to be a person could be a phone number or or something like that. Now they can how about that out. Osama bin Laden? Right. <laughs> Suddenly the NSA gets to yeah. keep that and then hand it over to the FBI also. Right? Well, the FBI has warrantless search. Right. Uh, and it's not just for. Uh, uh, crimes having to do with terrorism or uh, a foreign nexus. It can be any crime. It could be drug right. crimes or anything. So this is a major <clears throat> a loophole. If you want to say it's a loophole, a, a truck could go through it in the Fourth Amendment. We put. We had a, a good group, a good bipartisan mm-hmm. group uh, in the House and Senate, but the uh, it fell short. So that's it for now on 702. Um, I think you know, we don't get to review the presidential order. Right. Uh, and some fear that whatever reform we were able to um, uh, achieve in the FISA statute might be just gobbled up in the executive order. I'm not in a position to say whether or not that's the case. But I do have concerns, <clears throat> not just about the government, but about privacy overall. Right. Um, you know, we have... Issues obviously, it's only the government that can come and arrest you. Um, but we've got private sector entities that are uh, obtaining vast amounts of information, 
uh, really without the knowledge in many cases or the permission yeah. uh, in other cases of Americans, and in some cases then selling that information yeah. to the government. So uh, I think those of us who care about some modicum of privacy uh, have reason to worry. And I mean, do you have a sense of what is the on the on the privacy front and sort of the, these vast collections of data? Um, I mean, is there anything that can be done? <laughs> well, I think um, we've done nothing, uh, and so <laughs> okay. I, presumably you could do something more than nothing. It, one of the questions, I guess, is who owns your data? Right. And I think that's an important question not only in terms of privacy, but in terms of competition policy. Sure. Uh, you know, one of the things we always say in the Valley is, you know, you're only one click away from obsolescence. Well, right. yes and no. I mean, if your whole life is on Facebook and you can't retrieve it, right. you don't really have the capacity right. to leave. So owning your own data is an important uh, part of competition as well as privacy, right? And we haven't really done anything about that. And you know, I don't know how much you've gotten into this, but the, the, in Europe they have the GDPR, mm-hmm. which is coming into effect in a couple months, and that's their attempt at, at sort of dealing with that challenge. Um, I, you know, I think it's a valiant attempt for the same reasons why you think it's important. I, I, I personally have a lot of concerns about how it's been drafted. I do too. Um, and that I think it's going to have a whole bunch of unintended consequences. Well, you know, there, there are free speech implications yes, on that as well. That's a lot different than owning your own data. Yes. Uh, and I, whenever the parliamentarians come over, <coughs> I point out that we're going to end up with um, a very serious conflict of laws yeah. because we have a First Amendment, they don't. Right. And you know, they cannot dictate what someone in America is going to say. Right. Yeah. Well, they're trying. <laughs> they're I mean, trying they're, to, they're, they're, but they will not be successful. Yeah, I mean, well, but but you know, it, it will be interesting, and I do think that there's there is this sort of coming conflict, especially with like the right to be forgotten issues, which are, are codified in the the GDPR, and there'll be questions about whether or not American com- and this is already being fought in the courts right. in, in different contexts. You know, whether or not American <clears throat> companies will have to delete content, you know, even you know by Americans in America. And that's why I think the. Uh, issue of who owns your data uh-huh. is even more important in terms yeah. of, we don't think about it just in terms of privacy, but also in terms of free speech. Yeah, no, that, that's that's a good point. Um, moving on to a related issue, um, encryption is a topic that keeps coming up, yeah. and um, you know we fought these battles 20 years ago and, and thought that it had been sort of won and buried. And obviously in the past couple of years, it's, it's come back in a big way. Um, and for a while, you know, the concern was from the FBI and the DOJ about going dark. Uh, and now it's now they're talking about the idea of responsible encryption. Whatever that uh, means. Whatever that means. And they don't seem to have a definition for it. Um, what uh, What's the latest there? Well, you know, we... I disagree with uh, Bob Goodlatte, the chairman mm-hmm. of the Judiciary Committee, on many, many things. Uh, but he and I first met uh, in 1995 when we worked together on uh, decontrol of encryption. And he appointed, or I think it was his idea, but we had a bipartisan uh, two-committee, mm-hmm. uh, it was Judiciary as well as Energy and Commerce, a study group at the end of the last Congress 
And at the end of that, we came to the conclusion, really all of us, that there's really nothing to do. Um, and I thought that was an important achievement because it had, um, you know, myself, um, and I think Goodlatte certainly has a history on this, but there were people who were not in the same place when we started the right. analysis. And if you look at it, you realize when all is said and done, this really, unless you think that there are countries that don't have any mathematicians, <laughs> uh, it's too late. I mean, it's, right. um, it's not going to work. So uh, hopefully that will prove helpful in the future. Right. Uh, we don't, of course, Goodlatte is retiring. Mm hmm um, you know, whether uh, Jerry Nadler will be the chairman next year mm -hmm. uh, could be, uh, or if if we don't take the House back, which Republican it might be, I, I don't know. But I think since it was a broad group on the two uh, committees, mm -hmm. that should help. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it's felt like it's mostly been noise, but uh, just always wondering. Kind well, of you know, the FBI wants everything, mm -hmm. and, you know, if they could put cameras in every home and take pictures of all of us, they would be happier. Right. And I understand why. I mean, they want everybody to be safe, you know, and our job is to protect uh, the Constitution and uh, the privacy rights and, right. and also the technology. Yeah. Um, you know, the idea that you could somehow require um, holes in your encryption to be exploited right. by hackers is really a bad idea from a technological point of view. From an industrial policy point of view, all it means is that people will use encryption uh, devised elsewhere. So right. it's not a smart approach. Yeah, and I mean, there are all sorts of fallout consequences too. I mean, if we're demanding backdoors and encryption, other countries will certainly do the same. Well, other, other countries are going to try and do the same. Yeah. And so we'll be able to exploit their vulnerabilities. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> All right. The NSA <laughs> doesn't have code breakers for no good reason. <laughs> yes. Good point. Good point. Um, so another topic that, that has definitely been in the news a lot lately, um, having to do with sort of Internet and technology stuff and has been talked about in Congress, are, are issues with the rise of bots uh, yeah. and how they're... Um, impacting things and sort of what to do about them? You know, I've, I don't know what the answer is, but I'm very concerned about it mm -hmm. because it's distorting um, the debate, mm -hmm. uh, not only the political debate, but social debates. It's also kind of a securities fraud issue. Yep. I mean, you've got companies with a market value based on their followers, and a bunch <laughs> of it is just it's, it's vapor followers. Yeah. So whether you go at it from a security fraud point of view or whether you uh, try and get companies to more carefully monitor that, I mean, there's also issues you know, in terms of this uh, phony memo the Republican staff mm -hmm. wrote you know, that was promoted by the Russians. Hmm. Uh, I mean, which I think is fascinating. Yeah. We knew that the Russians interfered in the election, but they're interfering in the debate real time right. on what to do on policy issues. Honestly, if, if I had a hashtag that I thought was <laughs> worthwhile and the Russians using bots started to promote it, I think I'd stop and say, why are they doing this? <laughs> right, What's right. wrong with this? Um, but uh, so that's a real issue, and uh, I think that the social uh, 
network platforms, m- mainly Twitter and, and uh-huh. Facebook, need to come to grips with this. Obviously, they have a better idea technologically on what's possible than right. do lawmakers. But I think it's an issue that needs to be addressed uh, from a fraud point of view as well as from a public policy point of view. Yeah, well, I saw that um, in New York, um, the Attorney General, uh, Eric Schneiderman, I think he was saying he's investigating whether or not it was like, you know, sort of impersonation if it was violating um, rules on that. It seemed like one... Well, I think there are some liability issues Mm -hmm. for the companies. Um, The best resolution would be for them to take action before they're forced to do so. Yeah, yeah. No, and it's interesting. It's certainly an interesting challenge for the companies as well as in terms of figuring out who's, yeah. who's really a bot and, and who's not. And, and, and there are some bots that, like, there's value that, that do actual useful things also. And so, you know, having to be able to make judgment calls on, on what is a, a useful, productive <laughs> bot versus a... Yeah, but I, I think it gets down to there are always useful things uh-huh. and there are trade-offs. And I guess the... The bottom line is if you're representing to others for right. money right. that, I mean, namely your stock price, right. that you have X number That's, and a yes. percentage is not there, there's <laughs> a problem. Yes. That seems like a clear SEC <laughs> uh, kind, kind of violation, but um, interesting one. All right. Uh, moving on, because I know we have limited time and so many issues to cover. Um, Copyright stuff. Um, I know you've obviously always been um, right on top of a bunch of different things. Um, right now, there's like this Music Modernization Act that's been going yeah. around. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've had much time. To you know, I haven't. I've been busy working on immigration mm-hmm. and the uh, surveillance. I haven't spent that much time on it, in all honesty. One of the things I've been looking at in terms of um, copyright is what happens with 1201 mm-hmm. and the um, DRM. Right. And so with the internet of things when DRM is being used not to protect content right. but being used to protect monopolies. Right. And and so for people who don't know 1201 is the part of the DMCA that is the anti-circumvention rule that basically says that if you try and get around some sort of technological protection measure that by itself is infringing on copyright, even if you're not actually infringing on any underlying copyright. And I don't know. I mean, I was in the Congress when we wrote that. Mm -hmm. I don't I'm pretty confident (laughs) that um, no one was really expecting that that provision would be used to to protect something that wasn't protected by copyright. Right. Um, and now, of course, it's being used by John Deere right. to prohibit mechanics right. from repairing tractors. Uh, and, you know, as you look ahead to the Internet of Things, um, this is a serious threat yeah. to free markets. Yeah, yeah, it, it could could do... Having nothing to do with the, the usual war right. of content versus tech. Right. It's not, it has nothing to do with content. It's not about piracy. It's right. just sort of about protecting. And, and then it raises all the kinds of questions of whether or not you actually own the whatever devices that you buy if they put code in it that, that basically says that they still effectively own it. Um, 
And so uh, yes, that that is an important one. Um, and so is there is there anything happening in terms of twelve oh one? Well, I've been talking to uh, no, there is nothing happening, mm-hmm. and I think there's concern on the part of many that if you reopen mm. the section, it would be you know everything gets everything would be a mess. Um, one of the things that I've been thinking about and suggesting to members on both sides of the aisle and judiciary is that we have some hearings on this because mm. I think you know the fight has always been pre- presented as Hollywood versus Silicon Valley. Right. Well, this has nothing to do with that fight. Right. And so to have witnesses in to talk about the use of DRM for monopolies. Right would be an enlightening thing. <laughs> yeah. And that then, since we were on the committee when the DMCA was written, we might be able to provide guidance to the registrar right. um, about what the intent was and the need to adhere to the intent of the drafters. Makes sense. Um, and then on copyright, for a little while, there was there was this effort about sort of semi-moving the Copyright Office? Um, is that dead or what? The well, I don't know. It hasn't moved in the Senate. I was, uh, I was, it was, I was the only no vote on the right. uh, committee. And it, it was sort of sprung on me by surprise. I found out actually that all the other committee members had been um, briefed by the chairman and ranking hmm. member. Um, and so the surprise was reserved for me. Um, you know, to say that we're going to move the appointment authority from the Librarian of Congress, who it just turns out mm-hmm. is the first woman, right, and also the first African American, right, and the best librarian and, probably we've ever had, and, and, and actually a librarian, a real librarian, <laughs> right. with a PhD in library science, and an awesome person, by yes. the way. And, and and then give that to President Trump struck me as not a good idea. Right. Um, we had a you know a, a decent no vote, but not overwhelming in the House. But there was a lot of unhappiness about mm. it, and it has not moved in the Senate. And I hope that remains to be the case. Um, part of the problem, and I think actually the librarian is now moving forward on this is that the prior register had done nothing mm-hmm. to modernize the office and, in fact, had misrepresented things right. to the Congress, which was troublesome. She was ultimately uh, eased out. Right. People, I think some of the outside advocates thought it had to do with her positions on copyright. Right. I think it was more a troublesome personnel issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where did all that money go? Uh, I'm not saying she took it. I'm sure she didn't. (laughs) But it was wasted. It was not spent in the upgrade as it was intended to have have been. And so um, the librarian is now doing the computer upgrades. And from her testimony to Mm -hmm. our House Administration Committee a couple of months ago, uh, she is proceeding on the upgrade I mean, whatever happens with the appointment authority, the office needs to be upgraded. Right. And so they're going ahead. And if she can get that done, everybody's going to be happier. Right. Because part of the problem in copyright, especially in songs, is you can't figure out who to pay. Yeah. Um, You know, and there's so many people to pay. Yeah. And if, if there's no transparency, people get cheated, even though... 
people, the users, would be willing to pay if they yeah. could find out who to pay. Yeah. So to have some transparency there through the upgrade will serve everybody. And then uh, for people who don't want to pay, there's really no excuse. I mean, right. people deserve to be paid for their work. Right. Yeah, it, it's such a complex thing, and, and certainly the sort of antiquated systems aren't, aren't making that any better. Um, so, uh, uh, not exactly similar, but related issue um, to like DMCA copyright questions is CDA 230, which are sort of everyone talks about like DMCA 512 safe harbors yeah. and CDA 230 immunities. Um, it feels like CDA 230 is is very much under attack. Uh, well, it is. Although we came up with some careful crafting, and uh, in the Judiciary Committee. Mm-hmm and addressed the issue and improved it without doing the damage that people were worried about mm-hmm. in terms of safe harbor. So that was something that passed the Judiciary Committee on right. a the large, I think it might have been voice voted. So hopefully this th- will... This is specifically on the, what, which referred to as FOSTA, right? It's like the, right. the sex trafficking. But the House thing. version actually is targeted to trafficking, right. which is what we're, we're right. concerned it, it, about. Right. Instead of mucking with 230, it's changing like trafficking. Right. Or, right. Or and uh, so actually the Goodlatte um, worked with us, worked with me, uh, to try and make sure that it was actually targeted right. to uh, the bad actors. No one wants sex trafficking. Right. And uh, so I thought it was a satisfactory outcome. Um, we'll see right. what happens next. Right, because now, so there's there's a Senate bill which is very different, which does target Correct. 230 and the House bill, and they're both, I don't know. Well, the, the, the Judiciary Committee bill hasn't come up on the floor okay. yet. Um, you know, there's, I guess, some hope that you could fix the uh, Senate version. Um, you know, the question, question is, are they interested in eliminating... Safe Harbor, which has free speech implications, right? Or are they interested in going after sex traffickers, right. which I think you can get a unanimous vote for, right? Yeah, no, it's it's interesting. The debate around it has been, it's it's bothered me because the way a lot of people have have framed it, and and it, it does appear that there are a lot of people in there who are deliberately trying to undermine the safe harbors and sort of using sex trafficking as an excuse to do that, as opposed to actually taking on the the real problem of sex trafficking. Um, and then, you know, this issue on, like, the safe harbors has come up in other contexts, too. Um, there's, like, NAFTA renegotiation where suddenly people are talking about this and trying to either include safe harbor language within NAFTA negotiations or get rid of safe harbor mm-hmm. language. Uh, um, I, I don't know how much attention you pay to that. Well, it may come as a shock, but... <laughs> Donald Trump does not wake up every day and say, I wonder what Zoe Lofgren wants me to do. Well, he's yet to ask my advice on this. Well, that's too bad. <laughs> um, well, hopefully hopefully, something will change on that. Yeah, <laughs> on they, that they, I don't think they're consulting with the Republicans here either. I don't know yeah. what they're doing. My fear is they don't know either. Yeah, it feels sort of a, a very ad hoc approach. Um, like everything else they do, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so I, I, I have like I still have a list of like a whole bunch of different things, but I know we're also running out of time. Um, immigration, 
I know really important issue to you, um, really important issue to lots of people in the tech industry. Right. Um, you want to give the, the 30 second summary? Well, you know, we're, um, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, the president pulled the rug out from under the dreamers. Right. Um, now he's trying to use them as hostages to eliminate half of immigration law, which is not going to work. Right. Um, so, you know, it's interesting. People always assume that the tech industry is here lobbying for, you know, business visas. In fact, the only lobbying I've received. Is for the dreamers, yeah, um, and it's, it's, yeah, because it's the right thing to do. Also, there's a bunch of dreamers who work in companies too. Yeah. I mean, it's not like they're most employees, but you know how it's fair to take somebody who has been here since they were an infant. I've met hundreds of these kids. In many cases, they didn't even find out they weren't um, legal American citizens till they went to apply for a loan or something, right? And then you know, go someplace they've never been to, don't speak the language, don't know anyone, why that's all American is beyond me. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, it's, yes, it's a, a troubling situation. You know, one of the things that's interesting, and if we ever regain the majority, something I'd like to work with the Republicans on, every area of the law has a statute of limitations. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want to enforce a contract, you have to do it within a period of time. Right. If you want to charge somebody with a criminal offense, you know, you have to do it within a period of time. If the general rule for felonies under federal law is five years, right? the only area of the law that has nothing like that, no statute, is immigration law. Huh. How does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, interesting. All right, well, uh, on that note, uh, I think we're, we're going to wrap up here because uh, I know you have to run, but I appreciate Yeah, this is fun. Very Let's much. do it again. Yes, absolutely. We should absolutely do it again. Uh, and, you know, whenever you want. Okay. Uh, you are welcome to come on the podcast. I'm sure everyone listening enjoys it. So uh, thanks again. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, we'll be back with uh, some other podcast next week. <laughs> thanks. Grab a shovel and dig up the cat. Uh, if we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. Uh, so grab a shovel and dig up the cat.